Well, you are listening to African Dialogue, and uh, remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. Just a reminder that African Dialogue is a program that really focuses on one issue every day that really zooms in on some of the pivotal issues on the continent of Africa, and we have a usual dialogue and a debate around those particular issues. Today, we're going to be looking at a human rights uh, issue. Uh, We were actually uh, speaking about this in the newsroom, uh, and there was a lot of of conversations around this particular subject uh, where journalist was actually uncovering this particular aspect of things. Uh, and uh, Tulani Maseko is a Swazi human rights uh, lawyer and civil rights activist who advocates for human rights and political rights in Swaziland, including constitutional reforms in favor of freedom and democracy. Peggy Bakubu is a senior and respected Swazi journalist who is an editor and publisher of The Nation magazine. Now, what happened to them? In 2014, they were charged and convicted for contempt of court for articles criticizing the unjust way in which former Chief Justice Michael Ramudibedi had handled a case involving Bantubi Kwebu. They were sentenced to two years in prison without the option of a fine. Now, that's very interesting. Now, the two were termed prisoners of conscience by Amnesty International, and they are, these particular, uh, what are termed as frivolous charges, were seen as nothing else by an attempt to curtail freedom of speech in Swaziland. This is according to Amnesty International. Now, just recently, this particular uh, sentence was overturned by the Supreme Court, uh, both for their conviction and the sentence, and it took place on uh, the 30th of June 2015. But this is after they spent 15 months in jail. Now, today we're going to ask you the question, do you think that uh, our governments and our justice systems adhere to international human rights laws on the continent? What is your view on this? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We want to hear your views. SMS us as we start the program. Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. On the program, we've got Sipo Kumete, who's a secretary general of the organization titled Lawyers for Human Rights. We also have Diva Mavinga, who is a senior researcher for human rights watch. Uh, Tulani Maseko is one of the Swazi human rights lawyers that are highlighted who was advocating for a particular view and was actually arrested for that. He's a, a human rights lawyer and civil rights activist and also he works for his own company TR Maseko Attorneys. But I want to start with you Tulani and hear your story as you narrated for us as we start the program. Tell us a little bit about uh, this particular experience, what actually took place and what led to to this particular moment where the Supreme Court actually overturned this particular conviction and sentence? Well, thank you very much indeed. As you said uh, in your summary, that you arrested in March 2014 on the allegation of contempt of court after I was reading an article about the former chief judge Michael Ramon debate. But my view has always been that uh, the case was never about contempt of court. It was about expressing views which are not popular mm. with the Tingunla government of Swaziland. Uh, fundamentally because I thought that they were manipulating state institutions in order to ensure that uh, the oppressive system is intact. And I think on the question of our release on the 3rd of June uh, this year, um, it is not so much that the, uh, there was any case against us. I think the government considered at the last minute mm. that there was never a case against us. And the judge who sentenced and convicted us was wrong from the beginning. 
I think second to that, I, I am of the view that uh, that also because of the amount of pressure that the world put on government or our relief. Because this was uh, about uh, expressing views which are uh, different from those were held by those who are in charge of the government today. Mm. Well, Tlani, the climate in Swaziland seems like it doesn't enable a sense of uh, opposition, a voice that has kind of an opposition like we see in South Africa, a country like South Africa, where we always have the voice of the opposition almost weighing in in um, our media and it's almost overriding the news agenda. But it seems like in your country there's a different sense of view in terms of criticism, in terms of uh, uh, analysis. Why is this the case? Uh, do you understand the environment? Do you understand the uh, way the atmosphere is in the country there? Of course, my view has always been that the problem is the system of government. And I think uh, perhaps you may recall that it was on the 8th, on the 12th of April 1973, when the late King of who the father to the current king, you know, appropriated what was then called the independent constitution. And part of the reason for him to do so was that uh, the country introduced, you know, values and ideas which were not in line, according to him, with the Swazi way of life. And I think part of his complaint was that it had allowed an open democratic process where political parties were allowed to exist and contested elections. And in 1972, one of the political opposition called Dengwane, National Party Congress had won three seats in Parliament. And it is said that the king was upset by that because he had wanted a system where there were no political parties. Uh, on that day, therefore, the king not only unlawfully repealed the independent constitution, but he also banned political parties and uh, prohibited any form of political expression. Uh, the view that many of us take is that uh, when the the new king, King Swati III, assumed the throne on the 25th of April 1986. He wanted to continue with the trend where the monarchy was the dominant authority in the governance of the country. And I think it is very unfortunate that we see a monarchy which is hostile to free political activity. And I think this is contained and it's clear from the 2005 constitution which the king adopted. It was section 79 of the constitution of Swaziland also, you know, prohibit the existence of political parties. And therefore, what we have seen over the years is a, an of government and the monarch uh, which is hostile to any form of dissent. And I think that's the crux of the problem in Swaziland. Mm. Let me move on to you, Sipo Kumete, from Lawyers for Human Rights, and you are the Secretary General there, and I know you work at the Swaziland office. Uh, what is your view in terms of what happened in this particular case inclu- uh, involving Tulani Maseko and uh, Beki Makubu? We know there's been other incidences where people have been arrested in Swaziland in terms of opposition to the monarchy and the way of governance in the country. What's happening in this particular uh, state in terms of uh, uh, transparency and human rights? Uh, uh, can you elaborate for us as well? Okay. Thank you maybe to make a slight correction that um, I'm no longer the Secretary General, but okay. um, I was when um, Chulain and Peg were arrested. Okay. And like Chulain has summarized it, um, in actual fact, the main challenge in Swaziland is, is the clamp down on basic fundamental rights and freedoms. The case was... was, was Basically about that, that you 
you are not allowed in Swaziland to express your views. Your freedom of conscience is at low. Your freedom of expression is at low. Um, you, 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 you are in fact expected to, to be subservient to whatever ideas uh, that comes from the monarchy, like children are saying. Um, because the former chief justice was, was, was actually an instrument. Uh, he, he, all the wrongs that he did, for me, he was actually carrying out a particular mandate. Um, because if it wasn't uh, that case, he would have long been removed from, from the position. Recently, he was removed because we believe he carried out his instruction. He, he, he has run his usefulness to, to the regime in Southwest. So I think, uh, in summary, the, the basic challenge in Swaziland is that fundamental rights and freedoms are at low. Hmm. Well, it, it's also... So for, uh, yeah, you can carry on, Sipo, you were saying? For, yes. For Peggy and Tulane, they dared to try to exercise a right which they believe. In terms of the Constitution, in terms of the Human Rights Declaration, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the African Charter, they were entitled to, as citizens of the country. Unfortunately, that did not go down, not just with, with, with the judiciary, because if the government then believed they had those fundamental rights, it would have intervened, but it didn't. Hmm. Let me move to you, uh, Diva Mavinga, from uh, Human Rights Watch. You're the senior researcher for Human Rights Watch. I mean, we've seen these kind of trends, especially when it comes to freedom of expression, where people are kind of trampled down. We know that there was that incident. I know that was the most popular incident that I can remember of right now, where President Rob Mugabe uh, trampled and fell down and journalists were barred from publicizing that particular picture. I know some were also detained for sharing those particular photos. We know there's a case that's taking place in Angola when a man was just uh, actually sentenced for actually writing a particular book and taking a, a particular stance. In terms of human rights violation when it comes to freedom of expression, why is there such a, a threat coming on this particular aspect of human rights, especially that freedom of expression point? Um, well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, let me start off by paying tribute to Tulani Maseko and uh, Becky Makubu for standing up uh, for their rights and um, despite the persecution from the Swazi uh, regime. Uh, going on to, to the question, I, I think the fundamental aspect about human rights is that when people are free to express themselves and their views, uh, uh, governments, uh, especially in Africa, then view them as a threat to their power. So this is why there is such a vicious clampdown on freedom of expression uh, because people are not uh, allowed by, the, by their governments to criticize or to air their views which may be contrary uh, to the position that government holds. Uh, and it, the situation becomes worse when not only government is clamping down but when you have a judiciary uh, that is compromised and that is subservient to, to the ruling elite. 
uh, as, as was the case in Swaziland, where the judiciary was at the forefront of uh, persecuting Tulan Masego and Bekimakubu. So, so when you have that kind of collapse in the rule of law and there is no separation of powers, uh, then you would see that human rights are most at risk. And this is a similar situation like the one that you referred to in Angola. Uh, and in Zimbabwe, it's clear that the judiciary is severely compromised and uh, the regime there uh, under President Robert Mugabe then uses the law, uh, abuses the law uh, to uh, take away the fundamental freedoms that people should have, notwithstanding uh, that in the constitutions of these countries, Swaziland, Zimbabwe, Angola, or even South Africa, these values will be protected, these rights will be enshrined, but still governments find ways of circumventing and undermining these constitutional values, which are human rights. Mm. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to that issue and I know we're going to investigate it as well tomorrow on our program looking at the separation between those powers the legal arm of uh, governance and also the political governing uh, of a country how do you separate those particular two powers I think that's something we can also start dealing with from today but coming back to you as the listener do you think African leaders and our African governments adhering to international human rights laws hearing a case here of Tulani Maseko and Beki Makubu were arrested just for their particular views and stance they took on criticizing the legal system of their country. They were sentenced to two years. It was overturned just recently, the 30th of June, 2015. So what are your views on that? Do you think that African leaders adhere to international human rights laws? Send us your views by SMS. Send us your SMSs to plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. On the line we have Sipo Kumete from the Lawyers for Human Rights based there in Swaziland. We've got Diva Mavinga, who's the senior researcher at Human Rights Watch. Tulane Maseko was uh, one of the arrested uh, in this particular case we're talking about. He's a human rights lawyer and civil rights activist. We'll continue after this break. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views, and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. You with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining us on this particular discussion we're having today. Remember, we're asking you the question today. Do African leaders and governments adhere to international human rights laws? Let us know your thoughts on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We want to hear from you. If you are SMSing us from South Africa, it's the same number minus the plus two seven. It's simply oh seven nine six 
0614-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104-104
And I, I wanted to pose this to Tanana, but we had to let him go because we were just about to allow Becky Makubu to come back on, on, on to come on onto the program in about a few minutes or so. But Sipo, staying with you, looking at this particular yeah. decision as well, the courts must be also be held accountable because here we see a, a wrong judgment being made. Uh, Two individuals were held in court for 15 months, which is a long time for an innocent person to be held in jail. Uh, is there any recourse that these two individuals can take in a country like Swaziland for justice to say, hey, we want compensation for the times and the, uh, for, the, for the reputation that we actually had and now is mired and also for the humiliation of being in jail for so long? Um, ordinarily, they, they are supposed to be compensated, and we'll be encouraging them to actually file um, civil claims against the government of Swaziland because you can't file against a particular judicial um, officer who abused the law. Um, and, and the rationale is that, um, you know, when a judge is, is actually sitting and deciding in a particular case, enjoys immunity. But the, but the reality is that this is a classical case where powers were abused. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it speaks deeply. Unfortunately, in Swaziland, the major cause is how judicial officers are appointed. The process is so compromised. That's why you find that people who do not ordinarily qualify find themselves sitting in serious positions in the judiciary. And at the end of the day, you are bound to have such abuse of, 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 of the judiciary. Now, I want to come back and look at a broader idea of human rights and what does it actually represent. Someone at home is probably sitting there and saying, what is human rights? How do we actually pinpoint human rights? Where do we know or how do we know how do you violate human rights violations? Diva Mavinga, coming back to you, human rights, uh, how are they actually set and what standards are they actually um, monitored by and how do we actually distinguish whether we actually following human rights or whether we're breaking them? Uh, Human rights uh, are universal values. They are those entitlements that every individual has, um, uh, regardless of status in life, uh, uh, their sex, their nationality, their race. And these entitlements, uh, which they have by virtue of being born human, are protected at law. They are universal in the sense that we have um, a universally agreed framework of international laws under the United Nations system that outline the different principles and standards. And at a regional level, we have accepted these values and um, expressed them uh, and enshrined them in a binding document, which is the African Charter on Human and People's Rights. And beyond that, in different uh, nationalities and countries, uh, human rights are also protected uh, in constitutions, usually in uh, the chapter within each constitution, which is called the Declaration of Rights or the Bill of Rights. Uh, so they are not just uh, legal standards, but they are universal, they are binding, and they cannot be taken away uh, uh, by the law. The challenge that is there is the failure by 
governments to respect what that which they have committed to in terms of human rights respect. And also, uh, another challenge is that uh, the cost of violating human rights is, is not sufficiently risen within Africa for it to be uh, too risky for governments. So uh, you, you have the idea of impunity where governments and individuals violate human rights uh, knowing that they will not be held accountable or thinking that they will not be held accountable. And this is the major po- problem that we are grappling with in Africa, where uh, governments believe that they are all-powerful, uh, that they can uh, ignore human rights uh, of their citizens, thinking that they will not be held accountable. But because of the principle of universality, uh, we also have uh, the idea that even beyond one's own country, there is accountability and justice uh, for human rights abuses. This is why we have um, uh, such platforms like the International Criminal Court uh, or other uh, tribunals internationally under the UN system that will be there to ensure that uh, there, is, uh, there is justice and that uh, governments do not escape uh, from accountability for human rights abuses. Mm. But also it seems like it's an, a systematic error here in terms of uh, how we actually look at uh, human rights because the pe- the people that are supposed to ensure that human rights are upheld sometimes are the ones that abuse those particular rights. I mean, when uh, a, a, a new report has just been released, actually from Sipo Kumete's organization, Lawyers for Human Rights, and they've released a new report that says actually asylum seekers in South Africa, when they go to the offices for uh, for their papers or to get some sort of asylum, they have to take up some money to bribe, and you have some form of uh, corruption taking place there and that's where the problem is is that the people that are supposed to be upholding these kind of uh, human rights are the ones abusing it through bribes uh, through kind of uh, this kind of uh, system of intimidation Uh, isn't that the challenge that the systems that are created to enforce these laws are the ones that actually end up breaking them we can even speak about the policing systems in Africa that sometimes they're the ones abusing uh, their rights and uh, uh, their legal right and actually taking someone else's, uh, uh, you know, uh, vulnerability and using it as they way forward uh, through bribery, through corruption. That's what we're seeing, and that seems to be the trend, Sipo. It becomes unfortunate. Um, you know, some of late people have been making uh, satirical comments about the Department of Home Affairs in South Africa as a Department of Horror Affairs. You know, and it is something that has been affected <laughs> as, as something to joke about. Mm. Yet the reality is that you find someone who, like we, we now have a conflict in, in, in Burundi. Mm. You found someone who, who, who has been forced by circumstances where his or her life was in danger. Uh, running away to another country to seek asylum. And what you then find instead of those people tra- enforcing the law, Respecting uh, this person, giving that person dignity, they will they will be seeking rights. They will be treating this, this, this person with, con- with contempt. Uh, they will be saying all sorts of of, of nefarious uh, or calling this person with all sorts of nefarious names. Mm. It, it is an unfortunate trend, and and I, I've been asking our colleagues uh, of late since January, uh, those who have been meeting me in, in different forums, I've been asking. Is there anything wrong with a black person in Africa? Why do we continuously take a step 
When we were fighting colonization, we were having a huge hope that we were going to make the continent better. We now have the powers to make the lives of, of our citizens better. But you said those offices, those departments, entrusted with ensuring that people's lives are, are, are made better. You find a lot of corruption. It's not the case of South Africa. It's not the case of Swaziland. But the entire African continent, those of us who are human rights activists, who from time to time have to move around uh, the African continent, what we experience is so disheartening. You will go to Senegal, via Senegal, you go via Nigeria, you know, you, 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 you feel so humiliated as a human rights activist. And you always say, if they are able to do this to me, who, who, has been, who is learned in law, who understands this right, how about the vulnerable grouping which we find in our society? And going back to you, Diva, just to keep on this theme of it seems to be systematic. Another uh, systematic force that is growing is uh, terrorism groups on the continent. We see, we're seeing uh, there was a big uh, story last year of the uh, Chibok girls and Boko Haram, and we saw that becoming a new, new big phenomenon last year, the whole issue of uh, uh, terrorism, and that became uh, highlighted in the public sphere. And that's another human rights violation that we, we're struggling with on the continent, isn't it? Uh, yes, uh, and a big one, uh, a complex one as well. Because when you look at um, issues of uh, terrorism, uh, governments have uh, the obligation to protect their citizens um, within their territories. Uh, so you would expect uh, the governments um, uh, to come together under the African Union, for example, or even individually, to ensure that they take the necessary steps and put aside the necessary resources and have clear plans to counter terrorism and to ensure that within their borders they eliminate the challenge of terrorism. But it also uh, comes with problems. Uh, there has been a tendency uh, by some governments to use terrorism or fighting terrorism as an excuse uh, to claw back on people's rights. And, and this is where you also find that in terms of um, uh, a, a number of freedoms uh, governments have said or have even sought to justify torture, for, for instance, uh, on the basis that they want to fight uh, terrorism. Uh, this is not acceptable, and it, people should know uh, that even as governments are fighting terrorism, this should be done within the framework of the law and uh, in accordance with the tenets of the rule of law and uh, respecting uh, people's rights. Hmm. I think we have Tulani back. I'm not sure if we have Tulani or Peggy Makubu back, but is it Tulani with us? Tulani, yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Tulani, also, there's something that was highlighted by Sipo earlier on, the attack on civil society, the attack on activists. Uh, it seems to be a kind of uh, a contempt against um, uh, civil society, and we're seeing that becoming strong and strong, and people saying, uh, uh, you know, civil society represents Western ideals, and uh, it's not an African idea. What's your thought according to those kind of criticisms and this blatant attack on civil society? Well, I, I think that uh, post-1990, we had uh, hope that Africa was moving on towards the respect for human rights and the rule of law. 
And I think to some extent, with many African countries, we're mistaken. I say this because, you see, the African Union, I think, uh, also has said that it's important for the African people to be involved as citizens in African, you know, in the African way forward. Mm. And I think part of it does not, does not include individual citizens, but it, it includes organized civil society. And I think in Swaziland, the, the problem is that there is that perception that suggests that uh, those of us who are involved in organized work to promote human rights pushing Western agenda. And I think that's very unfortunate. Uh, because the concept of democracy, rule of law, and human rights and justice is not a Western concept. I think it's a universal concept which African government has embraced uh, through the EU, the SADC, and many sub-regional bodies mm. within Africa. And I think the, the use by states and the Tingunda government in particular to suggest that uh, we are funded by Western donors and therefore pushing the Western agenda is uh, regrettable and it, it is bad. It's an uh, indication of high level of intolerance by our, by, by our government. Mm. Well, we're going to take one more break, but I want to bring the conversation back to you as the listener once again. Do African leaders and governments adhere to international human rights laws? Are we seeing progress in this regard in the conversation that we're having today? Let's know your thoughts. SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We're going to take one more break, but when we come back, is there a way forward? I always want to know. I just never want to just uh, moan and grumble and murmur about things. But when we come back, let's look at that perspective. Is there a way forward? Can we find ways to reform the way we deal with human rights issues on the continent? We'll be back after this. would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical 1. Or write to us at the address P.O. Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue, right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Now we're wrapping up this conversation. We've been speaking about human rights, really zooming into also the case of Swaziland and using that as just a, a case study, looking at some of the problems that we're facing here on the continent. But hey, is there a way forward dealing with some of the issues that we've dealt with today? Sipokumete, coming back to you, is there a way forward? There is. Um, we just need uh, some little bit of political commitment. We have created institutions in Africa. We have created charters and conventions, uh, protocols. Only what we need is political commitment. Mm. If African governments were to commit themselves 
to the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, will not be having this problem which we are having. That because the, the, the respect of fundamental human rights and freedom will automatically lead to a separation of powers, will automatically lead to a respect of all citizens in any country. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether that country is Francophone or Anglophone. Like uh, mm. my brother said, mm. human rights are universal. All African governments subscribe to the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights. And all African governments, with the exception of one in Africa, subscribe to the African Charter. Mm. They are members of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. But what you find is that there is lack of political commitment. Even for, even for, 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 for emerging democracies, or examples of good democracies in Africa, such as South Africa, the last time it filed the report with the African Commission, I think it, is, it was um, for the last 10 years, it has failed to file its, uh, its, its, its report with the African Commission to state how it is dealing with the issues of, of, of fundamental, uh, respect of fundamental rights and freedom in, mm, in, mm, in mm. South Africa. So for, so for me, there is a way forward. We just need a commitment. We, uh, and for, for, for civil society organizations, we need to amplify our voices insofar as educating uh, citizens of our respective countries about the, 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 the need to respect fundamental rights and freedom, about the need to protect fundamental rights and freedoms. Because once we have achieved that, it is then the, the, all the other challenges which we have, economic hardships, healthy problems, they will become a thing of the past. Hmm. Because our governments will be spending money where they are supposed to be spending. We will not be having a situation such as you have in Swaziland. For a country that doesn't have the capacity to, to, to wage a war against any country in Africa, having a, an army of over 8,000 people, spending at least over 15,000, over 15% of its annual budget on the, on, on the military or, or, or on security forces, instead of complying with the Abuja Declaration, which stipulates that at least governments in Africa should spend a minimum of 15% of their annual budget on health issues. Hmm. We'll not be having Swaziland as the country with the highest HIV infection in sub-Saharan Africa in 2015. Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to Sipo Kumete uh, from Lawyers for Human Rights. Thank you to Diva Mavinga, who is the senior researcher at Human Rights Watch. Tulani Maseko, it's great to have you back into the world. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I apologize for what happened to you and your colleague, but uh, hopefully there is a way forward. Thank you for making time and speaking to us, Tulani Maseko, a human rights lawyer and civil rights activist uh, from TR Maseko Attorneys. Thank you all for joining us for our conversation. Conversation today.